This is Deads on the Podcast presents Warzone Eternal. Welcome to the Dead Zone Podcast. Dead Zone is the sci-fi tabletop. Welcome to another episode of Warzone Eternal, uh, brought to you by Deads on the Podcast. I'm your host, Rick, along with Alex and Rick Talk. How are you guys doing? Spectacular. I'm really tired, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a uh, late summer uh, in Michigan, which means like the sun doesn't <clears throat> set until 1030 at night. And yeah. Yeah. Rick's feeling it. Yeah. Because I, I see, the sun, see the sun all of it. Yeah, always. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, you get the sliver of it. Right? That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm also like recovering from Gen Con. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, which is funny because I've already talked to you about Gen Con. <laughs> mm-hmm. You still sound the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. they say Gen Con's the best four days in gaming for a reason. It takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. It does. I uh, so what. It, what all did you have going on at Gen Con, Alex? Uh, so we're talking about all of the above. Oh, so personal. Yeah. Uh, so I think I've mentioned on this before. Like uh, this was my thirtieth Gen Con. Holy crap! Holy crap! Yes, I was. Just, I still haven't been to one. I was but a, a wee lad the first time I went. Ah, uh, yep. Um, so no, at this point right now, it's a, a lot of my reason for going to Gen Con is is seeing friends that I only see at Gen Con. I got a. Got a buddy, shout out to Morgan, uh, comes in from Australia every year just for the show. Right on. Um, well, I mean, you know, to, to see us, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so a lot of it's uh, to see friends that I only see then. Um, and just really, I mean, soak in the atmosphere, right? When, you, when you've been to the show a ton of times and you kind of generally understand what the, you know, kind of the pulse is, right? Yeah. Like what, just how things operate, where things are located, then... Um, Part of it is just missing, you know, having that in your life. Yeah. So, so going to Gen Con is I, I could I could probably just go to Gen Con, I guess I'm saying, and just sit on a bench in the middle of the convention center, and be like, "Yep, okay, this is worth it." <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's uh, seeing friends, um, playing some games, checking out the exhibitors hall. Right, the exhibitors hall is is absolutely Masters. enormous. Yeah, and I mean, if you actually give every publisher there at least a little bit of your time to to check out what they're doing, yeah, it's like a two day. <clears throat> Two day adventure to, to walk through the entire thing and actually feel like you've seen everything there. Wow. Yeah. I, I can legitimately say I spent 98% of my time at the show in the vendor hall and I did not see everything. Absolutely. That's nuts. Yep. I mean, I have, I have personally have a hard enough time finding, seeing everything at Adepticon. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I know that's a much smaller scale. <laughs> oh, I mean, significantly yeah. smaller. Love Adepticon, but yeah, Adepticon doesn't even take up a small corner of Gen Con. Yeah. So, Rick, your trip at Gen Con was business as well, right? Yeah, mine was almost exclusively, exclusively. business. Yeah. What were you doing there? Uh, shaking hands with publishers, uh, trying to land some as sponsors for different things that I'm doing, and also, you know, trying to. Um, just maintain relationships that I have with with different publishers. Uh, that if I, you know, if I'm currently working on projects with them, are they happy with the work that we're doing? Uh, can we expand upon that work? Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, I like like Alex just said, I, I haven't gone thirty times. I've gone <laughs> I've gone quite a few times, but there is something to be said about the people watching yep right that occurs at gen con and this isn't like the people watching you would do at a mall where you're just like oh look at that person wearing that stuff you know whatever um or you know how you put on your judging hat yeah right (laughs) um at this one it's like man they're sleeping in a line at 3 a.m for lorcana this is gen con 
Yep. <laughs> that was nuts. It's my Gen Con. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah, no, the, the Lorcana <laughs> stuff was, was incredible. It to was watch. nuts. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, all the things that are like the staples of recognition. Card Hala mm-hmm. is super cool. Uh, so, Card Hala, for those that don't know, is they take a bunch of uh, CCGs, like bulk, whatever, that are donated to this thing, to this event, and then they build card castles. Oh, okay, and okay. Towers and now I've, the, yeah, I remember seeing the pictures right? a few years ago. And on ago. Saturday evening, uh, someone gets to, they bid on who gets to throw the first coin <laughs> to knock it down yep. to begin it. And then, you know, that goes for like five, six, seven hundred bucks. Oh, wow. Right? And then everybody around, after the first coin has been tossed, and then they basically say, all right, go at it. Everybody just takes all their loose change and just destroys this thing, and it's it's glorious. <laughs> and, and to be clear, like you know, when Rick's talking about they build like card castles. The tallest one is like fifteen feet tall, right? And the whole oh, thing, crap. the whole thing, they they cordon off an area that's about twenty feet deep and probably fifty feet 50 wide, fifty to sixty feet wide. Yeah, it's it's just enormous. <laughs> and, and you're allowed all weekend. You come in, you're like, ah, oh, cool. I opened up some magic uh, packs and. I've got you know thirty two new lands that I don't need. Don't so need. go over to Card Hollow, fold them all up, and build my own little domicile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one year I donated like twenty monster boxes of Magic Bolt. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, yeah, we're gonna use this for a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they raised, um, I think they raised a little over three thousand or maybe four thousand dollars this year, and it all goes cool. for charity, of course. Very cool, right? Um, so that's one of those things that I. It's just a staple. And then they have the big balloon sculpture yep. Yep. that they also do the destroy and do for charity. So that's one of the things about Gen Con that I think is um, really cool is all the charitable works that they, they uh, support through some really awkward and fun uh, ways. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, absolutely. I had a, a longtime friend, him and his uh he and his daughter came to Gen Con for the first time, and I've been telling him for years, like, this is what Gen Con is, this is what Gen Con is. <laughs> and when you do that for long enough, you, you know you've created something that could never actually live up to the expectation. So yep. I, I checked in on them on Thursday, the first day of the convention, about noon. I was like, so? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> you undersold <laughs> Yes, it is, more, it is more than we anticipated it to be. So it, it's amazing. I mean, the amount of stuff that goes on there um, – you stumble into some corner of some hotel that's associated with the convention. Like, wait, what is going on here? Right. Right. And there's really, like, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It, it's, it's glorious. Yes. <laughs> it's it, glorious. Gen Con is, right. is the Gen Con is the greatest thing on in our space. Yeah. And I would say in my space, period. <laughs> I'm not even talking about the gaming space. <laughs> just, it's just your space. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I don't know this and maybe, you know, the, First week of Spartan football. That's it. All right. Wow. Yeah, those are those are two different like dynamics. Very, well, they very are. Cool. But, you know, the, what has always been awesome is Gen Con is in the beginning of August, and August ends with college football kicking off. So it's like <laughs> man, August, August is, is just, your month. Oh, but yeah, but otherwise, is. otherwise it's just it's hot and all the grass is mm-hmm. dead, and it's kind of like okay, summer you've worn out your welcome. Right. Like, okay, but. I'll give you these two things. Okay, okay, you can see as <laughs> Okay. So, Rick, it was all work for you, but that's uh-huh. also play for you. It is. So, that is my play, yeah. for sure. But I will say this. One of the other things that I thought was super fun about Gen Con this year is that now that I, I know Alex and, and, and some of his crew, uh, it was interesting. One night, I was walking from the convention center back to my hotel room. And I was in the JW Marriott. I think the greatest part about the story is watching Alex's face. Oh, it's because, <laughs> it's because I ran into Alex and his game group, uh, the Australian gentleman, yep. and yeah. uh, oh, okay, the other the guy who bikes. Yep, yeah, Don, uh, <laughs> and, Rich, and Rick Rich from, from uh, Rat Trap Games. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they had the pleasure of me being slap happy, like sleepy, <laughs> and. Uh, you know how we have pre-show stuff that's like, oh, I wish we could talk about this stuff, yep. but we can't. They got a full blast <laughs> for like for like a half hour. Yeah, I think I think a couple of these people who had just met Rick, they were like, "Oh, I'm immediately uncomfortable." Yes, and I, I believe and I, that. And I think this is a level of discomfort that's going to hold me through the next four or five Gen Cons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So, 
So, Alex, your Gen Con trip, was it all play or was it business? What did you have going on at Gen Con? No, it was a bit of both. Um, I managed to get into one Adventurers League game. So, Adventurers League is organized D&D, 5th edition. Uh, we've got a group who we try to play at least one four-hour block uh, every year. And I've been doing it for probably nine years now. Nice. So, yeah, it's cool. Not bad. Go there, we've, everyone's got, like, a character yeah. that only gets pulled out at Gen Con. <laughs> and so... You know, is it the, has it been the same character since the beginning? Yeah. So when I met you guys, that was post that event. Yeah. And it was the character you've been playing for nine years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, I mean, pretty impressive. Is, we only play at Gen Con, so our characters are only level five. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, so I managed to get into that. I uh, did a bunch of shopping, or did a bunch of browsing, <laughs> uh, came home. One of the things I was looking for was was a couple new RPG systems just to kind of broaden my horizons. Sure. I found three new systems that kind of small indie ones that look, looked interesting. And um, those were? Uh, Best Left Buried, which is kind of a uh, horror-focused... I know what you did last summer kind of thing. No, no, no. no. <laughs> like, like old school D&D, like horror in you know dungeons. Oh, and, okay. Um, so kind of huh. leaning on a, a simple old school renaissance D&D um, vibe while really focusing more on kind of the terror of dungeon exploration. Okay. So that could be fun. There's a couple of mechanics in there. I was like, man, I was flipping through. I was like, well, this is worth the purchase alone. Um, then uh, another kind of rules light game called uh, Orbital Blues, which is a sci-fi uh, RPG. Um, they specifically, you know, uh, label themselves as a you know, sci-fi western, and so it's it's intended to uh, kind of evoke the types of um, you know, themes or settings that you would see in a Cowboy Bebop or a Firefly. Oh yeah, right. So you know, sci-fi yet kind of not not <clears throat> low tech sci-fi, but just sort of like gritty sci-fi. Yeah, gritty. Right? You know, sci-fi that's not chrome, but it's also not laser swords like Star Wars <laughs> gritty. It's it's like gritty, like uh, just a bunch of dirtbags flying around in space. <laughs> um, Man, I, that, that just sounds like a glorious life to lead. <laughs> sounds like a tagline for an interesting game, right? right. Dirtbags in space. Dirtbags in space. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last one was called What Goes Squeak in the Night. And it's a... So there's a whole line of RPGs out there that are called... Uh, references powered by the apocalypse yeah. so, so you know, the apocalypse world games um this is supposed to be a rules light version of powered by the apocalypse where you play mice who are you know protecting children from spirits and fairies and things um you know at night yeah and so i've got i've got two kids who have both expressed an interest in rpgs it's like you know let's yeah let's get something that kind of caters towards them is rules light um and so yeah so picked up that right nice. on yeah, they were well outside of the norm for <laughs> my. Uh, Those all sound a, a little outside the norm for I would say almost anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I mean, that's the whole point about Gen Con, right? Is that you get this opportunity to just wander around and go, "What is that?" Um, yeah, this is never going to show up in a store, my local store. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find anyone to play this game with me, but you know, a, a lot of it. Yeah, well, especially with RPG stuff, right? A, a lot of it just becomes mechanically. How did they approach this type of, you know, game resolution yeah, issue? Right. So, uh, but and then other than that, I spent uh, a full day in one of the open gaming areas running demos of Wars of Eternal. Very cool. So yeah, we had a uh, a bunch of our backers, um, <coughs> a bunch of our Kickstarter backers came out, and you know, I set up a Calendly so that people could sign up for slots. Yep. And yeah, I got. I think I ran it five demos, maybe. Cool. Um, so it was good. Yeah, we got to see got to see a bunch of people who were uh, you know interested in uh, in Warzone. Longtime backers, brand new backers, or longtime followers, brand new followers, I should say. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was cool. Uh, got to see. Got to see the game from the perspective of someone who has not been playtesting it for two years. Yep. So that that's interesting, right? Like people, people who uh, uh, like, well, explain to me exactly how this works or why are we doing it this way? Um, and so, it, to be perfectly you know transparent, there were a couple places where I was like, you know what? 
I think I'm going to change that when we get back home. Yeah. So okay. So playtesters, uh, you will have already received the final version of the beta rule set um, by the time this uh, it airs, and and actually, hopefully, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, I was saying, let's get to that. In a yeah, minute. sorry, almost almost, <laughs> almost transitioned right into the state of the game. Right into it. Jeez, right. you think I'm a natural? <laughs> but you also did something special at Gen Con for one of your backers. Yeah, so at uh, one of the higher backer level tiers for the Kickstarter, there was the opportunity to you know, do uh, do dinner and play games with uh, the Resnova Design crew, um, and so one of those backers picked Gen Con as the uh, as the place to do so, and he had a busy convention, so it ended up being dinner, okay, which was great, right? So uh, we went to uh, St. Elmo's, and it was the other the Resnova crew, and then a couple of the. Well, Rick was there as well, and a couple of the other. I'm, I'm everywhere. Yes. If you got, if, if, if Rick listeners haven't figured everywhere. that out yet, <laughs> I'm everywhere. Um, but yeah, so dinner was great, and um, as part of that, right, he uh, those backers got a early release prototype version of one of the faction starters. Okay. Um, so he picked Bauhaus. Oh so yeah. He got a, uh, a really really nicely um, pulled together uh, prototype set. Um, still. You know, cast or 3D printed as opposed to sure. actual CO cast material because we're not quite there yet. Not even remotely close to the point of pulling um, final models out of molds. Um, but there was a there was a special part as well of the presentation, uh, which I'm actually gonna bury for a second here because we're gonna write a post to throw it up on the Resnova blog. Oh, that makes complete um, sense. But yeah, so it was cool. It was cool to be able to uh, like as a, I mean, in the room because. Jeff has kind of joined us too off mic so far. Hey. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's been a lot of Kickstarters in this room that we've all backed. Okay. Um, and to be able to do something like that with the developers, with the company, I think that's a really cool thing to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, I mean, for us, it was cool, right? I mean, just the, the fact that there's a, a level of interest in, in that, right? Like, you know. Yeah, well, we we had similarly we had one of our demos. There's a guy, um, apparently had been playing Warzone as long as I had. Oh, um, oh, yeah. And so, uh, so Chris, shout out to you if you uh, if you listen to this. Um, we ended up talking afterwards. He's like, just he, he was very very enthused about the game. But one of the things that he said, which um, yeah, was, I don't know, it's probably boastful or something. Was like, well, can, can we get a picture together? He's like, I've never I've never met a game designer before. I'm like. Pfft. Hey, you still haven't met a game designer, <laughs> right? Because I mean, that—that's the thing that, yeah. that's that's interesting, right? Is you know, game design, right? Feels like the it's, it's something that's done by some group of people over here, and you're a fan, you play the game, but but really, the kind of the step to being like, oh no, I'm a game designer is something as simple as designing a game, yeah. <clears throat> and and so the, the recognition of that was like, well, like, okay, yeah, the the demo was great. I was happy to talk to you. Sure, we can take a picture, but. You know th- that aspect of like, oh, you're a game designer. I'm like, well, I guess, I guess I am. So, <laughs> nice. well, very cool. But yeah, so the opportunities to meet people like that, to have the dinner, to just kind of engage with uh, the the community of Warzone uh, players, new, several new players, um, and existing, it was it was good. I mean, it's the reason why we've been going to these shows, right? Adepticon yeah, was the exactly. first one; it was great. Origins was awesome. Um, Gen Con was great, and. For those who are listening, we'll be at Pax Unplugged next. We'll be, uh, Resnova will actually have a booth there. Nerds. 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 <laughs> it's always nerds. Yeah, we, we're not, unfortunately, we're not making it very far west. <laughs> but, you know, that's small steps. And Pax Unplugged is a good show, though. It's a great, it's a great yeah. show. It's it's a really different show than than any, any of the ones. Um, so was it, what, speaking of Pax, what it, what are you going to be doing there? Are you going to be kind of in a game area the same as you were at Gen Con? Or? No, no, we actually have a booth. You have a full-on booth over yep. there. Okay, awesome. Yep, we'll have, we'll have a 10 by 10. Um, so Pax was the very first show I ever exhibited at um, Resnova right after we kind of spun the company up and we were still working on Dungeon Slayer. Yeah. Uh, we ran demos for the very first time at the very first Pax Unplugged. Uh, since then, I've been back every year, and a couple times I've split a booth with our um, our friends over at Rat Trap um, Games, but you know nothing nothing official yeah. until this year. So it's it's cool, right? Kind of looping back around yep. after a four four or five year kind of hiatus. Okay, so yeah, nice, well, cool. Any other thoughts about Gen Con for you guys? Like, actually, you know what? Mm. 
Rick brings up something that we talked about before. Did I? Yes. Alex, what was your favorite part about Gen Con this year? Oh, man. <laughs> My favorite part of Gen Con. Yeah. I mean, you've been going for 30 years. You know, literally, it, <laughs> it was just it was just hanging out. I yeah. Mean, so whether it was with um, you know, the handful of people who came out for the demos, scheduled the demos and played through, and just getting to chat about that. Um, Your level five character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or again, you know, seeing my buddies that I see like once a year at this yeah, show. I mean, it's, um, you know, I've always jokingly described myself as having like some weird shepherd dog um, personality and that like, I've got these people that I know and I need to like pull them all together because I need to know what everybody's doing, right? And I need to make sure everybody's having a good time. And so we had a, uh, several times where, you know, I got to do that, kind of had this convergence of these different social groups, right? Whether it was, you know, dinner with uh, the Kickstarter backer or, you know, dinner the first night of the show at, at Buka, right? We had a, a bunch of my old friends, Brian, you know, Brian Steele joined us. Yeah. Um, you know, th those, those opportunities at, at Gen Con, it's the only time I get to do that with those diverse groups of, of friends of mine. So nice. it was, it was the socialization. I mean, not yeah. to, not to be all kind of mushy or something, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Well, was, I mean, great. I mean, so obviously we're talking mainly about Warzone Eternal and this is on Deads on the Podcast, but a couple of you guys had a, an amazing experience at Gen Con that. I wanted the, my listeners to hear about. Yeah. Uh, so Rick, tell me about as Jeff is. Spin it in, get the headphone on so he can jump in and I can actually hit the button so he's actually there. All right. I'm you here. guys had an amazing experience at Gen Con at uh, Conquest. Conquest? Right? At their booth? At the Conquest booth. Oh, yes. Uh, so, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if you were going to ask me what my favorite, I, I had two. Yes, and, I know you did. And the one at the Conquest booth was easily my favorite thing and, and that's what i that's what i want my <clears throat> listeners to hear about right. so it was literally it was literally seeing alex when he was 12. <laughs> right? oh or, that's a much better spin on that or, he, he or, did look like a 12 year old alex. <laughs> or seeing alex when he first saw warzone back in what 95 1995 right so it, it was it was seeing a 1995 alex find find his game right? but it was this, it was this young kid 12 year old boy who had spent like a hundred dollars on some product yep and then was given the opportunity to take to draw out of a prize hat to win something and it was something that wasn't even available it's not available even yet in stores that i'm aware of yeah it's about to come out yeah like in the next week I yeah think. right right yeah yeah but uh, uh, gen con was not out and not, or, yeah. nor available and it was the triceratops riders for the, the thunder riders the thunder riders for the uh wardroon wardroon is that right wardroon Wadrun? Wadrun. I don't speak orc, so. Yeah. <laughs> Filthy beast. You don't speak English either, but that doesn't stop you from this trying. Is, this is true. So he went, He wins these uh, Triceratops riders, or Thunder riders, and he just loses his stuff. It's just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my. And he's shaking. Oh, yeah. It was such a wonderful It was. Experience. Says, I, 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 I can't believe this is real. I can't believe this is real. Yeah. It was amazing, and all I could think about is when you talk about, Alex, when you talk about <laughs> your finding Warzone and how you, uh, like, the next year are, like, the person demoing it and stuff for the company or whatever. It's like, that kid is now locked into this hobby yeah. for the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. Yep. In for some capacity. Experience. Because of that, because he was, and he, they treated him like he was a, a prince of of gaming <laughs> they did you know yeah. it was so like wholesome they hyped it up big yeah. time they, they really played into yeah. it you know and and so Very shout cool. outs to ronin his last his first name is ronin which is again way cooler than a, <laughs> any kid should be he goes i'm not cool i'm just the weird kid at school with the lizards it's like what <laughs> Like, come on, bud. Well, well, it sounds like also then it's a uh, shout out to Parabellum, right? Yes. Parabellum, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Daryl McKay, huge shout out to Daryl yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and Parabellum. Team. Yeah, that's the incredible you know, thing about this industry, mm -hmm. right? I mean, these these games are they're, they're, they're transformational. Yeah, yeah. So, in an opportunity like that, you're right. I mean, it's not even, and I know that you're not, you guys are not making light of it. But it's not even just like a, well, it's a funny story. It's like, man, this is just an this awesome is our, story. No, yeah. And, and this oh, is yeah. our space. Yeah. And this is our space, right? Right. right. That when you see a, a young, it could have been a young man, a young woman, could Whatever. have been anybody. Yeah. In that, a in passionate that, kid. Right. Yeah. You know, who is grateful. Mm -hmm. And they, like I said, they treated him like it was a prince of gaming. 
and it was it was it was just beautiful. Right. right. And it yeah. wasn't funny to watch. It was fun to watch. It was yeah, fun. No, right? You yeah, know, that's exactly yeah, what I'm saying. I mean, it yes. was just super exciting to watch, you know, just yep. this, this pure elation on this kid's face, yep. you know. It was, yeah, it was awesome. awesome. So good. It was like seeing him get that Christmas present he was always wanting on Christmas morning. <laughs> right. It was his Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> it sure was. Right. He ain't putting <laughs> his eye out with these. That's right. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, big shout out to Parabellum and for everybody listening you know, go give them some support because if they're going to treat their fans yep. like that. Yeah, they're they're worthy of our support. Yeah, sure. no, absolutely, no doubt about it. Well, yeah, right on. It was great. Awesome. With that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about oh, actual I wars. I don't get to talk about my favorite part. That was yours. No, it wasn't. No, that's not. Oh, that was his number two. That was my number. Oh, that two. was your number yeah. two, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. No, we're not going to take a break yet because okay. we want to hear just, well, just number saying, one. I mean, no, because he's different. here. That's, it, was, it, was, it was a very cool moment. So, oh, duh. Um, His daughter. Yeah, my daughter. <laughs> uh, she's a huge fan of the Dimension 20 podcast. Or cast. It's not a podcast. Yeah. It's a video yeah. cast. Live play. D- the live play D&D, yep. right. And so she had, um, I had asked her a while, a few weeks ago, if she wanted to come to Gen Con with us. And she's like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, okay. You know, and then... About a week before, she comes in and she's almost in tears, you know. And I'm like, "Well, what's going on?" You know. And she's like, "Well, I just found out that um, Brennan from Dimension Twenty is going to be at Gen Con, and his panel sold out already." I'm like, "Oh, that stinks," you know. I said, "Well, all right, well, you know, bummer, you know, but you know, is what it is." And then I reached out to Rick. I said, "Hey, do you know Brennan?" And he goes, "No, no, I don't, but we have some mutuals." So let me see what I can do, you know. And then he gets hits me up about 15 minutes later, and he goes, "Okay, well, hey, I, Brennan has a panel at this time on Saturday. Right after that's a party put on by some people that he's associated with. No promises, but decent chance he'll be there. I got us on the list." I said, "Oh, that's cool, you know." So then I went to my daughter. I said, "Okay, Hayes, you know, her name is Hazel." I said, "So, you know." Rick says that Brennan is likely to come to this party after his panel. We're on the list. If you want to come, you're welcome to come. No promises, but there's a chance. And if you were to run into him, it's going to be a way better experience than going to his panel anyway, right? So, you know, she's like, let me think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the next day she goes, Okay, I'll go. <laughs> it's like I'll twist your arm, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, so yeah, she ends up uh, coming out Friday with my wife, and Saturday night we go to the party. We're there for about 15, 20 minutes, and what do you know? Brennan walks in, and Rick grabs Hazel. He goes, Come on, let's go. We're going to go meet Brennan. And got right up to him, and he's like, Rick says, Brennan, I'm Rick, and this is Hazel. She's a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and what did Hazel say at that point? Uh, you, you know what? Credit Hazel. She kept her cool like you wouldn't believe. Awesome. You know, she just said, it's really nice to meet you. I'm a big fan. Right. I That's... follow all your stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, asked him. I guess his wife's pregnant, so she was asking him about that kind of thing. And he was awesome to her. That's you know, He really uh, gave her gave him 100% of his attention and time. Right. That's, I mean, it awesome. was, in that moment. It was two or three minutes but there were, were her two or three minutes. That's yeah. sweet. That's and, great. And, um, yeah, and so we walked away, and then she just started bawling. <laughs> <laughs> and she got a great selfie with him. She did. Yep. Yeah. yeah, she got her picture and, and her moment with the, the person who means a lot to her. So. Well, kudos to the two of you, so. Rick, for setting that up, Jeff, for yeah. making sure you facilitated that. That is that's awesome. That's going to stick with her. I mean, that, that's, I mean, it's that's her Gen Con moment. That's her Gen Con yeah. moment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She better be there next year. <laughs> you'd think, right? You know, you'd think. Yeah. yeah it's like, but it almost seemed like like Meg and her were already kind of planning yeah, the potential for next right. year, regardless of. Right. They're like, well, when we come next year, we got to do this and this and this and this. Right. right. You know, awesome. so. That's a good sign. I for mean, you. it was very much a last second throw together for them. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they were a little more bored than the rest of us because so many events are just done. Sure. By yeah. time yep. the week of the event is here, you know, there's no real time to get into anything. Right. But they made the most of it. That's 100%. great. So in other words, go to Gen Con. Everybody needs to <laughs> go to Gen Con. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I personally believe that if somebody goes to Gen Con and they're not sufficiently impressed to want to go back later, that is somebody you need to question. Yeah. Yes. 
Well, with that, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back and talk a little bit about the Kickstarter. Yeah, you're allowed to take a break now. I'll let you. What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew. And I'm Coach. From Family Gamers 777 on YouTube. And you are listening to Dead Zone, the podcast with Rick and Brian. Do you think they'll be upset that our audio is better than theirs? Nah. Rick will probably just laugh it off. <laughs> Told you. All right. Welcome back. So, Alex. Yes, sir. Let's dive into the state of the game for Warzone Eternal. Okay. So, where is the Kickstarter as far as the backer? Was it backer kit? Yeah. Yeah. Where is it at with that right now? So by the time people are listening to this, they should have either just seen the um, the pre-order store, the late backer um, pledge manager open, okay. or just about to open. So Yeah, we're kind of in that flex on that yeah. week. So <laughs> one of the issues, uh, the actual pledge manager has been built now for about two weeks. Okay. But when you do a pledge manager, every single item that you can select has an entry, right? It has an image. So one of the things that we unlocked in the Kickstarter, right, was seven different decal sheets for all the various factions in the game. And we don't want to open this up and say, you know, placeholder image, image coming soon. So one of the things that meant was we had to go and build seven different decal sheets. Yeah. Now, again, I mean, this isn't a property that has a whole bunch of digital art assets just sitting in a file somewhere that I can just pluck, right? It does not, yeah. though, right? <laughs> it does, it does not. <laughs> um, so it, it literally meant, um, you know, for, some people had seen some of the prototype sheets that we had because yeah. we, we've, got, we've got the core faction logo for all seven of our Kickstarter factions. Now, just a sheet with that same logo repeated over and over and over and over, I mean, cool because those things have not really existed before but of limited utility right you want some cool stuff to kind of make your units look like squad markings yeah, or whatever exactly. yeah sure so uh so it meant combing through the rule books and just trying to find like what are some of the alternative you know symbology that or the, the artist drew up over yeah, the years exactly. kind of thing okay yeah. good I mean, idea like, you know, so Bauhaus, right? It's got the cog symbol. Is it just the cog over and over and over? Oh no, no, that right there. That guy's got like the cog split in half, so it kind of butts up against the um, the, the the rim of his shoulder pad. Or those guys have got you know the cog smaller against a blue square behind it, right? So trying to identify those things and huh. now take the, our core logo, send it over to one of our graphic designers, and say, okay, do these things with it. Um, and so we had to do that for all seven factions. So. I just got uh, final digital uh, art assets about as the, as we're recording this, not in the future. <laughs> uh, about I think the last ones came in uh, right after Gen Con. Okay, and so those are now uh, off to Death Ray Design so that they can go and pull them together, figure out how many things they can fit on a sheet, mock up the sheets, and then once they do the mockups, then we will have those final images. Those final images, those go into the the various spaces in the pledge manager, and then we're done. And so we can kick it out the door. Awesome. Uh, the pre-order store at that point, we literally can just say live. It's it's good. So anyone who didn't back uh, when the Kickstarter was running, they can come in. They'll still have oh, all sweet. Still have all the same uh, Kickstarter deals. Okay. Right. You know, in terms of pricing, um, you know, the uh, uh, most of the. Uh, exclusives that we were selling, right? Every, obviously, everything that we were giving away for free to certain backer levels yeah. won't be available. Um, and then, at the same time, we open the pledge manager store. The actual backer kit will go to backer kit for approval, and then it gets pushed out for what's known as a smoke test. So, a limited number of backers get an invite to run through and make sure that everything's working. Everything works. And then, it, so we're, and so yeah, today we're recording this on the fifteenth. The hope is to have this thing out by the end of the month. Awesome. So, again, hope, right? But everything, we're a small operation with a yep. lot of moving levers here. So we're, we're trying to trying to keep those things um, operating smoothly. And one of those levers that you're hopefully 
going to have out with that is um, like a condensed rules? Is that... So no, it's actually going to be the the full rule section. Um, so it's kind of our beta, right? Okay. And so it'll yeah. be it'll be all the rules to play the game, um, all of the army lists for all of the uh, units that were released as part of the Kickstarter. Okay. And you know all the scenarios, right? So basically, this is the the final text prior to going to final copy editing, and and layout. Awesome. So uh, now, I mean, obviously, part of that is. You know, just to see, okay, what do, you know, what do people think? Yeah. Uh, the primary reason we're opening it up is, you know, we've heard a lot of people say, if I don't quite understand what the point system is, you know, I don't know which models to buy, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've i always bought into Kickstarters, miniatures Kickstarters, uh, based upon the idea of, like, what is it that I find interesting looking? And then just bought those. <laughs> yeah. But, but I fully understand that some people are like, no, I want to buy into a force, right? I want to buy into an army, right? Yeah. I, different people process things different ways. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. I, I would be on the same page as you. Is like, ooh, those are pretty. Ooh, yeah, shiny. Exactly. Ooh, shiny. Ooh, yeah. shiny. <laughs> Hashtag mirror <mirror-mint>. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. People process things differently. Right. and it, it depends on how into it I am, yep. right? If it's something I'm really into, I'll, I'll be like you. I don't care if it's something that i'm just looking to just put together that one army just to play the game with my buddies yep i'll be like all right i, I gotta i gotta plan this out yep no exactly right so so we'll facilitate that so there will be all the points um you know assigned to the different units their stats their special abilities laid out <clears throat> there will be a thorough understanding of how the game plays because this is effectively the the final draft of the rules nice sweet so yeah that that should come out about the same time the backer kit comes out wow so it you know there will not be a situation where somebody is saying, well, okay, great, I got the backer kit, I can select my models, but I still don't know what these things cost. <laughs> it, it, it'll come out, come out simultaneously. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, so end of August should be a... a end of busy. August, beginning of September, should be pretty busy for the, uh, the, the Kickstarter um, community for the game. So what are, you, what are you expecting? You know, a lot of people are... They don't. They, they don't expect a big like surge of more backers or, or anything. But do you have a, a number that you're like hoping you can uh, get in regards to comparison to what you actually got in the Kickstarter? Well, so <clears throat> most of I feel the, like there's a math assigned to this that people have already figured it out. Well, yeah, so, and most of the most of the stuff that I've seen when doing research or when talking to you know, various Kickstarter mm-hmm. consultants is you can oftentimes expect up to. Uh, you know, 25 to 30, uh, 25% to a third more than what you raised during the Kickstarter. Oh, that's impressive. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it becomes another big chunk. Sure. And so there's a couple things there, right? So one of the, one of the people I talked to at Gen Con was a retailer who had backed us, right? So the retailers only backed at a small dollar amount, just yep. as kind of a, oh, yeah. a placeholder, a placeholder. And so right. they're going to be able to then select all the stuff that they want. Mm-hmm. So you've got all of those people. Uh, I've had multiple people reach out to us since the Kickstarter saying, I missed it. Can mm-hmm. is there going to be a, a late pledge option? So all of those people are going to right. you know, be lined up, and then and then a lot of people who just backed, they backed like rulebook or mm-hmm. just the a box set yeah. because right. they again they they just kind of wanted to get their place in line. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, and so now with the backer kit, they Ooh. should be able to select more. To f- so flesh out their their actual order. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Scary. Very yeah, cool. no, right. It's so it's so, hard. So for the late the late backers, are you giving them the same exact deal as the ones you know, who backed the, the Kickstarter to begin with, or so it'll be the same missing out on a little something? Well, or? Th- there's a couple things they'll miss out on, um, like primarily exclusives, right? Okay. So it, when you open up the pledge store, right, you're selecting, or sorry, the uh, the late backer store or right. the. Uh, pre-order store sure you're selecting the individual items right so some of the stuff like you know there were there were some small price breaks when you bought the larger bundles Mm -hmm. the the bundles aren't there you're selecting individual items at that point so there's i mean it's not huge but there's a small price difference Mm -hmm. um you know we gave away the archangel the brotherhood archangel pilot as Mm -hmm. like a um, objective marker yeah okay that was a free giveaway for For the kickstarter Kickstarter backers backers. so so if you're a latecomer you miss out on those little things you'll have to pay for it so it'll still be there oh okay but you Mm -hmm. just don't get it as a free add-on all right so so i believe i believe almost all of the content will will be in there 
including the opportunity to to buy the like the condensed or the collected fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the free fiction, free PDFs of the fiction, those were for Kickstarter backers. Okay. Right. So yeah, so there are there are some slight differences, sure. but for the most part, if you're like, oh man, I really want to be able to play Wars of Eternal. Everything that the Kickstarter backers were able to get in order to play the game right. will still be available. Okay, nice. Sweet. Yeah, so no, we're looking forward to it. It does mean that it's hard to actually figure out what your production quantities are because <laughs> because everything that, that Kickstarter says right now is utterly meaningless. Right. right. Yeah. And so how, with, with those numbers uh, or the potential numbers, where... Where are you going to land as far as, like, we're only going to have it open for an X amount of time because you've got to have those hard numbers at a certain certain point, right? Well, a certain point, but, I mean, that that certain point really is this is the time when we are are, um, pulling figures out of the molds, Mm -hmm. right? So all of the work up to that point, we we have enough backers and we have enough of each individual model that we need to produce that we're probably going to be producing them as um, single model molds. Okay. Right, so not family mold. So we're not going to produce a mold that makes this box set. Right. We're going to produce a mold that makes Bauhaus Blitzer A, and that make like ten of them in there. Exactly. Yeah. And so the idea yeah. there being, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to do that. Right. But then once we have those, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how many we get of any any one box set. Right. We're just producing you know X churn, number churn, of this guy. Churn, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And the seal cast machine is really good. Um, as long as you've got a number of different molds that you can run through so that each mold can cool down a bit, you can almost produce miniatures as fast as you can put the mold into the machine. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so yeah, like once you're up and running, I mean, mm-hmm. you can produce thousands of figures a day. Wow. Yeah. Cool. That's insane. And off of like one machine. W- one machine. Ridiculous. It is. <laughs> It's one of the advantages of this particular technology. I think right. Thunderforge needs one, th- needs one of those. I, oh, and I need to find out with Nelson from Mythic Americas, who's right. been buying up a bunch of them. Yeah, used. <laughs> yeah, people so are all like... All these guys that invest into it, and then they decide it's just too much work for him. He's like, I'll buy that off you. There's a skill involved there. <laughs> oh, I'm sure yeah. there is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah fortunately, fortunately the, the guy we're working with was one of the first... Purchasers of a CoCast machine in the U.S. Right. So has they, he, he's figured all out, big experience. He figured man. out just about all sure, like what yeah. can break with it and mm-hmm. how do you fix it? Right. Right. So, <laughs> how can right. you avoid the avoid the breakage? Exactly. Yeah. Just good skills yeah. to have. Right. Yep. Yep. I don't know if Thunderforge actually needs one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think for each one that you get, you need to get a guy like I know. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Yeah. if you want to make money with it, right? right? Where it just sits in the room and does nothing, (laughs) right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but yeah. So, so, so that's where we're at for right now. Okay. Um, So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, some more cool stuff for people to check out soon. Right on. So one one of the things we've been doing on each of these episodes is we talk a little bit about the game and then we jump into some lore. Sure. It's funny that Jeff is on here um, because Jeff is one of the main guys that always reminds me of how I always go for the evil faction. Um, <laughs> it's just it, the truth. <laughs> it really is kind of the truth. Um, so with that, I'd like to know about the Dark Legion's Apostle. Sure. Like specifically Algaroth. Mm-hmm. Because that's, so of the seven factions, that's one of the factions, right? Correct. Yep. That's one of our launch factions. There are five. Technically, five apostles of the Dark Legion. Okay, um, Elgaroth is the largest and the one that engages the most directly in in warfare with the corporations. You know, the other four apostles all generally have their unique ways of messing with humanity. Um, so, Elgaroth made the most sense as the as the representative of the Dark Legion as part of our first Kickstarter. Okay, um, so tell me a little bit about the lore of that. It, like, how did the whole Dark Legion show up for one? Sure. Um, so yeah, the uh, because Mutant Chronicles at its core, right, is is kind of a, a good, um, you know, kind of commentary on human nature and human behavior. Yeah. Uh, the Dark Legion were unleashed into our universe because of Imperial. Uh, so just like, <laughs> right? So just like the United Kingdom of of reality and its kind of exploration of yep. the uh, of the of the of the world and their dominion over you know other lands <laughs> uh, imperial and mutant chronicles has a tendency to kind of just wander around the universe and say yep that looks interesting we're going to take that now 
And yeah. one of the things that they were one of the last corporations to really leave Earth to get a foothold. So at that point, Capital had Mars, Bauhaus had Venus, um, Mishima had Mercury. So they were they were trying to find places that they could, you know, uh, plant their flag on. Very un-British. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I can see exactly what the writers are doing here. But at the same time, you're like, you don't want to say, hey, all of our British fans, you guys are the bad guys. But <laughs> <laughs> they are. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll leave those as uh, differing perspectives. <laughs> um, but so one of the things that they ended up doing, right, is pushing out to the boundary of, of the solar system. Yeah. And so, you know, it was, they went past Pluto, right? They, they discovered this other planet orbiting even further out than Pluto. Oh, okay. Um, and it's this uh, astral body, because I realize we can't call Pluto a planet still, right? So if, We can. If, yeah, so <laughs> if Pluto's not a planet, then Nero, this, this place even further out, is even less so. And, yeah, ultimately they they find this this uh, these ruins there, kind of alien ruins on this planet way out there. And there's like this perfectly unblemished steel tablet <laughs> just in the ground. And Imperial being Imperial, they're like, oh, okay. And so they mess around with it and mess around and the find entire, out. Yeah. <laughs> the entire crew of that um, Imperial Conquistador ex, um, exploration ship just disappears. And oh. there's like this one radio transmission that is received by like a far out Imperial communication station. And that's it. So very event horizon, Ex yes, very much style. so. And and with that, all of a sudden, the dark symmetry is unleashed into the, the solar system, which which is what corrupts all AI machines. Yeah, um, which you know, at this point right now, the corporations had incorporated yeah, much like you know modern day culture here. AI had been incorporated yep. into all sorts of you know business practices, Different things. Yeah, and so all of a sudden, that becomes unreliable and it's corrupted, and so there's not not quite a full dark age, but there's this sudden scram sudden scrambling by humanity to redo the way things um, operate, right? Yeah, you know, kind of Battlestar Galactica. -ish. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so it's not like going all the way back to some feudal dark right. ages, but it's like oh crap, we we've got to we got to back up. We got to back up. We got to engage. Gotta go back to floppy disks. Yes, yeah. exactly right. <laughs> and please, what don't. was the name of the planet again? Nero, not Nibiru. No, it was Nero. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so in you know ancient aliens theory uh, you know many ancient alien theorists theorized <laughs> that there is the, the the rogue planet the planet x or nibiru okay which is the home of the anunnaki so basically the the dark legion is the anunnaki these are words i'm unfamiliar with that's okay you're not alone <laughs> alex <laughs> Rick's it's just gibberish. Oh, okay. Jesus, all right. Very English. okay, all right. You're right. You did yeah. you did mention yeah. that. Sukulos. <laughs> Again, still still there. <laughs> but so the uh and then eventually what follows is the actual unleashing of it. so Imperial then goes back later, messes around with stuff again. And because they the, didn't learn the first time? Exactly. And this time they, they literally break open the portal that leads to whatever this other dimension is that the Dark Legion calls their home. And, and the Dark Legion is this multidimensional force, right? So it's not just like, oh, we open up a portal to some alien planet. It's like literally the way these things operate is is alien. Not, they're not aliens. They're <laughs> like, the way they function is like not comprehensible by humanity. Right? Yeah. They're a truly different dimensional creature. And, and the their forces are built out of creatures that they have gathered from other dimensions that they have invaded. Right. Oh. So, so they show up and they, they've got the ability to, you know, raise the dead and you know, turn them into these zombified soldiers, which are the undead legionnaires. Yeah. They've got the ability to take um, human cultists, you know, people who willingly or unwillingly find themselves in the grips of the, of the dark legion and they're able to mutate them, turning them into the Necromunes or the Centurions or the you know, the most worthy are um, actually the Praetorian Stalkers. Those are at their core. It's a human nervous system that's like integrated into this like techno organic battle suit. Oh. So it's it's this amalgamation of all, all sorts of different. And I speak gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
He is a mitigator. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Good Lord. Um, that sounded amazing, actually. Yeah. Well, it is. It yeah. is. It's amazing. The, the background is sweet. And so, so that's what Elgroth is, is it's the apostle of war. And so he, uh, it's his minions that are able to create these various you know, living machines that, that they use to do battle with. Um, and then he also shares a lot of those with his sibling apostles, right? Um, none of the rest of them, like I said, generally tend to take to the field in mass formations. So to the extent that they need people to guard their citadels or their, you know, um, cultist hangouts or whatever, cultist hangouts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's, uh, it's different clubs out yeah, in the city. It's, it's where your parents sure. hope you don't go. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cultist hangout. Um, <laughs> so Elgroth supplies some of these um, forces to the other apostles. So you'll find necromutants in... In, in a force of Ilian, or the Easel Ghoul is used as kind of a shock, giant shock trooper for, you know, again, other apostle forces. Yeah. But yeah, so Elgaroth is is that, the most warlike. They also have the largest um, cult base. Okay. That's the, the Temples of Destruction are all made up of humans who have pledged their loyalty to Elgaroth, probably hoping that they're going to be elevated into, you know, these creature status nice yeah they're cool i mean yeah they're cool i think that's cool. yeah enjoy <laughs> enjoy i'm just sitting here trying to process a human <laughs> nervous system uh, uh, integrated with a uh electrical techno organic you know, techno organic battle suit yeah uh it's like jesus how many star trek scripts have you read <laughs> <laughs> the, techno, the techno babble there was just off the charts i love it but yeah so that that's elgaroth well, right on. Well, I think with that, that's a wrap for us this episode. Sweet. And next time we come on, we'll probably be talking about the backer kit a lot more. Uh, yeah, hopefully we've got all sorts of, uh, hopefully it's in the past. And it's, <laughs> it's gone smoothly. And yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.